0: the goodness of God, you know, I, um, th- that's one of those things, whenever we talk about God being good, I'm always torn between saying amen to that, and also going, man, maybe there's a better word we could use. I mean, something that's bigger or greater than that, and then sometimes I hear it, and it's almost like it's so perfectly simple and beautiful to just say, he's good, isn't he good, isn't he good, isn't he good, isn't he good? Um, that's an understatement, and it's perfect at the same time. So my hope is that this morning, as we open up the Word of God together, uh, that you will be filled afresh with awe of our Heavenly Father. And how He invites us to relate to Him, actually to have a relationship with Him. The same God we just sang about is one who wants to have a real, ongoing, growing relationship with you. If you have a Bible, go ahead and get it open to Hebrews chapter 5. Uh, if you're following along online or on the Bible app, and if uh, you're not familiar with that, if it's your first time in a while, you can go to the you Version. Uh, Bible app and download it and then you can go to uh, more you open it up you hit more then you click on events then you find us and you go boom and you can follow along uh, with the sermon right as you go and today I would recommend you do that uh, after the fact you can go back online and look because we're going to have some things as we put together kind of our battle plans for how we're going to try to build and order a life that pleases God on a daily basis Uh, if you lose track in your notes or whatever you can go back and use it for reference Uh, I want to begin on September eighth, two thousand, that was a Friday night, uh, and at the Culver Palms Church of Christ in Los Angeles, California, I married my beloved wife. Over here, 18, 19 years today, uh, we've been married together uh, nineteen years. Uh, we have tried to do our best to get better uh, as uh, in our walk with Christ first, and then also in our relationship to one another. And I, now as I do premarital counseling with people, I, it's funny because when people are considering getting married, sometimes they'll say, oh, uh, you know, I'm kind of afraid of doing it because I don't want to end up like one of those old married couples. Uh, and I kind of smirk because it, when you're a young married couple, you think that the best years are like the first one or two, and that it, it's all downhill from there. Uh, and what I have, at least in my own experience, plus that of many of the people I know, is that marriage has the potential to get quite a bit better With the proviso that the couple is committed first to honoring God and then also to trying to get better uh, in how they are toward one another. So, if you are committed to each other and you say, All right, I'm going to try to be a better husband on a daily basis, I'm going to try to be a better father on a daily basis, I'm going to try to be a better friend to you on a daily basis, that you can get better. And so, I hope that'll be a word of good news to you this morning as we go into this because God is a person. He's not an it. Uh, He is someone that we can relate to. And so because of that, we are able to get better at honoring God and pleasing God. And that's good news because if you're like me, you'll have those days where you go, oh my goodness. uh, This was not my best day. This was not my best week. This was not my best year, in fact. You can kind of look back and go, boy, I wish I had done this differently. Uh, And if you're one of those that's prone to be really hard on yourself... That can channel you in a positive direction, or it can really lead you to despair and think, I'm never going to get this. All Everybody else seems to be able to get this just fine. I just can't, though. This is, may not be for me. I can't get better at this. It's all downhill from here. And that's not really not how the spiritual life works. We're going to talk, this whole series has been aimed at learning how to, um, uh, to earn, if you will, the, 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 uh, the well done of God. To please him, But I want to be clear, we're not earning a salvation here. It's not really what it's about. Uh, Dallas Willard, one of my favorite theologians, puts it well. He says, grace is opposed uh, to earning, not to effort. And when we do this, I want to wake up in the morning going, I want to serve God as faithfully as I possibly can. If he can use me as an instrument of peace in the world, I want to do that. If he can use me as an instrument of life change toward those that he puts me in contact with, I want to do that. If he Uh, can use me in some positive way to help point somebody to his son, I want to do that. If he can use me as a a lighthouse in the life of my children or somebody else's kids, I want to do that. And so I want to just say today, to those of you who might be going, I don't know, know, that's really what living the Christian life is about. It's about following the way of Jesus Christ, whose purpose here on this earth was to please the Heavenly Father, to do the will of his Father in heaven. And I say, in Jesus' name, you can get better at pleasing God. We all can. So with that in mind, let me just uh, go ahead and prepare you for this reality that it will hurt at first. Like working out when you haven't done it in a while. Um, Those of you who've never worked out uh, in your life, trust me on this. If you try tomorrow, it will hurt the day after that. Uh, And those of you who maybe haven't picked up a, a weight in a while or run in a while or whatever, if you do it, you're likely to experience some soreness. So... As you do this in the realm of the spirit, as we chart toward this kind of building a little plan and ordering our lives in, in the way of honoring God on a daily basis, you can expect some bumps. Uh, you can expect that it's going to feel a little bit clumsy at times. You can expect that you might fail actually at some point. And my, my task today is not to prescribe something to you because I think that's where we get in a lot of, in a lot of trouble when we try to teach people how to grow spiritually. Is we prescribe the same medication to everybody when in reality what ails each person could be very different so just like if you went to a hospital and, and, uh, and they gave, gave everybody ibuprofen it would help some but others would they didn't have a problem with that they have a, a sinus problem and it didn't do anything to help them with their runny nose uh, it might take them out of their pain i want us to to take a look and try to craft something that maybe is a little bit tailored to what might fit you uh, and give you the best chance of being successful. One of the reasons why I, I always recommend to people that if you want to grow spiritually, be a, a, an ongoing, constant part of a church as opposed to reading books about it is because books are the ibuprofen equivalent. Uh, they're written, they're fixed, and they're for a mass audience. So when you go in there, it's very similar to taking ibuprofen for whatever the problem is. And in reality, what what is the uh, situation for most of us is very unique. And I think that's one of the blessings of being part of a church is you have people who know you well enough uh, and who have walked with God deeply enough in in a variety of different ways. You'll find somebody like you or somebody you can build a connection with or some group of people that you can build a connection with who really know you, really care about you, uh, and are committed to the same principles you are, which is very different than picking a book off the shelf at a Barnes & Noble Opening it up. And it might have some good stuff to say, but it's going to be more mass, more generic, et cetera, et cetera. So that in general, what many churches will do, and I think they mean well, and I think guys like me mean well, and gals like me, they mean well. Uh, but is to simply say, all right, the key to the whole thing is a daily quiet time. And so if you'll just get up every morning, uh, you'll open your Bible for 30 or 60 minutes every morning. And you do that, everything uh, will be fine. And I want to say that's kind of, again, I'm I'm all for it. I'm a big fan of it. I often do it myself. But I don't think that that's the magic silver bullet to growing your life with God. Uh, It is the ibuprofen in the medicine cabinet. It helps a lot of things. But it doesn't help everything. And often what ends up happening is that if you do that, you miss out on a wide variety of the things that actually really help you in Jesus Christ. So it's not just about having that quiet time, that private time being one-on-one with God. There's a whole world out there to explore that you can spend a thousand lifetimes trying to explore the the new horizons that God might have for you and never exhaust all of them. God just keeps the more, it's it's like going over a hill and getting to the crest of the hill and when you get to the crest of the hill as you look out you see higher hills and more adventure and more peaks. And that's how God is. A.W. Tozer warned us, he said, the whole transaction of religious conversion has been made mechanical and spiritless. We have almost forgotten that God as a person and as such can be cultivated as any person can. It's his way of simply saying God's a person is dynamic. Just like I've been married to uh, Emily for 19 years, I've been married to God my whole life. Uh, And so there are times where God and I, uh, you know, we walk and talk as good friends should do, as the hymn says, And then there are other times where I'm going, I don't know if you're out there or not. I'm just going to trust you are and wait for you to thunder from heaven like you do or whisper something, reveal something in your word, lead me to a person that I can impact or that can impact me. But I will say this. Probably the single biggest gift to my spiritual growth over the years is the church itself. Uh, Jesus Christ, alive and working inside the people of God. Now, nevertheless, all of us who want to become spiritually strong need to train, and if we don't, we're going to end up like those mentioned in Hebrews chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, Bible app open, let's get over there to Hebrews chapter 5. We're just going to read a few verses, Hebrews 5, 11, uh, to 14. There he says, there is much more we would like to say about this. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. (laughs) You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. But solid food is for those who are mature. Who, through training, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong? Now, I want you to notice that. The skill to recognize between right and wrong seems to be, in Scripture, one of the keys that, dem- that is a demonstration of your spiritual maturity. And so, writer of Hebrews is saying, look, by now, you should be able to eat steak. You should be able to eat other things that grown-up people eat. But instead, you have to steal food from the nursery over here. You still are eating baby food out of jars. And he's disappointed. He's frustrated. Because in the context of the book of Hebrews, what's really going on is he's he's rolling out some amazing spiritual mysteries to them. Things that are, I mean, heavyweight, meat-eater material. Very challenging. Almost anybody that spends real time with the scriptures will tell you the book of Hebrews is as deep as it gets. Hebrews is extremely deep. So right here in chapter 5, after rolling on for four chapters, and he's rolling out all this stuff, he goes, look, there's a lot more I can tell you. But I can't. Because you're just not There's so much that God wants to do in our lives, so many adventures he'd love to take us on, but we can't take those trips because we're not ready. We can't do that good or experience that wonder because, as the Bible says, we are spiritually dull and we don't seem to listen. We should be teaching others, but instead we need to be taught again. So, come back and look at verse 14, quick. This is important. He says, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Who through training, who through training, training, who through training. You mean to tell me that I can train for this, to be able to tell the difference between right and wrong? That seems to be what he's saying. That you can train for it. So how does one exactly train spiritually? I'm going to suggest to you that probably there is a wheelhouse out there for you somewhere where there's a particular nucleus of spiritual disciplines where you will connect with God in a very unique way. But you should not stop there. That there's a whole body workout, if you will, that allows us to continue to, to test ourselves, to expand our horizons and how we relate to our Heavenly Father, Um, But at the very beginning, let's try to locate that that particular spot, that that happy place. Uh, I remember, you know, in my, uh, oh, I'd say early 30s or so, I was finally reaching that point of life where I had young kids. You're kind of chronically exhausted all the time. And you're just going from place to place. and, And you're not getting a lot of sleep. And so your metabolism stops on a dime. So you start getting fat. If you ever see, you'll probably at one point or another see one of our wedding pictures come out today. Um, And and if you want to know how bad it's gotten, I I weighed about 75 pounds less now than I do now when we got married. Yeah, exactly. Don't rub it in. right? But yeah, I mean, you sit there and you, I mean, I was like gaunt. I mean, in your 30s, the metabolism just stopped. And so all of a sudden, now you're going to have to do something proactive, okay, in order to hang on, to keep it between the ditches. You'll have to do something. And for me, I learned that I like hiking. I like hiking. It's good for you. And what I realized was when I did it, it didn't seem like exercise to me. Now, if all I do is hike, I'm going to have a little dinky arm. And, and then the caboose of a, of a, of a stallion, okay? The little bony arms. So I can't just do that all the time and not do anything else, right? But in there, I don't have to even put out any effort. Like, it just comes naturally to me. In the spiritual realm, whether it's prayer, whether it's, it's worship, whether it's the Word of God and studying it intimately, there is a place where we need to get to all of those things. Otherwise, you're just going to skip leg day all the time, so to speak, and end up out of balance, there's going to be a point. And so right before we build the plan, I'm going to say, we have two goals here. One is to help you locate that sweet spot. What's spiritual hiking for you? Stuff that grows you, helps you stay in shape, but that does not take any real effort. It's a joy for you. You do it just recreationally, and then we need to help you discover the next horizon. My daughter Anna over here refused to try chili. Would never try chili. Now, those of you who know chili know it's, I mean, it's life-changing. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's life-changing. It's for all occasions. If you can, you know, there's like God creates Adam and Eve and then coffee and then chili. I think went and then go in and that order, boom, boom, boom. Then the animals, then all of those things, right? I'm sitting there and I go, I go, man. And for those of you who are new, no, that's not the order it happened. <laughs> okay, but she discovers chili. It took her a while and she finally tried it and all of a sudden she's like, I love this. This is amazing. Why didn't she tell me how good it was before? I tried to tell her. But she was, what does it say? Uh, it, 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 they're dull of hearing or something that's said in the text. Unable to listen, right? So I'm going to roll some stuff out that's rooted in the scriptures. And I want you to find those two things. The one that, that is in your sweet spot. Okay, that, that, that place that you just go, that's recreational. That's like hiking for me. And then the ones where you go, all right, where can I expand? Where can I test some new things out as we get going? Understanding all the while. That the goal here, if to use fitness language, is strength. It's not exercise. Amen. The point is, is not discipline for discipline's sake. It is to grow in Christ, order our lives in such a way that God looks at the way that we're doing our lives and where our affections are and says, well done. So we're going to use these categories. Word, prayer, fellowship. Those are going to be the big ones and then we're going to make A dietary choice, if you will, because after all, as the fitness people say, abs are made in the gym. Or not in the gym, in the kitchen. I wish they were made in the gym. They're made in the kitchen. You say no to things. So you can claim that, hey, I want to be a marathon runner and continue to smoke if you want to. Uh, Good luck with that. That's not going to happen. There's something you're going to have to give up if you want to do other things. And so as we go through this, we're going to make a dietary choice, something we're going to live without. So there's going to be four categories of menu underneath. We did something very similar to this in January in the Deadlift series. So we've adapted this for uh, today's uh, NDC. Okay, why would we pick Word, Prayer, and Fellowship? Well, because uh, over the years, historically, the spiritual masters, if you will, have diagnosed those three. They've all said, for the most part, these are the big three. Uh, the spiritual masters, uh, to use fitness language again, those are the guys in the gym that have the six-pack. If you want to be fit, you go look for the guy who's fit, and you ask what he does, and then you go do those things. You're more likely to be fit than if you find the guy that has the six roles and ask him what he did to get those six roles and do that. So if we want to be strong. We want to be fit. The spiritual masters have pointed these out. Word and prayer are the big two. Fellowship and community, people around you, uh, is another. And then each of those three really do have a pretty clear biblical emphasis and are obvious in the life of Jesus Himself, so that's why we are we're going here. Okay, so uh, here's what we're going to do: we're going to you're going to have four menus pop up in front of you. I want you to take a look. If you're new, pick one on each of these. All right. So we're building a little workout regimen, a little training exercise here. So as the menu comes up, I'm going to walk you through. Pick one. If you're a meat eater, and you're like, oh, I already do all five. Be quiet for the morning, all right? <laughs> I'm glad you're here too. Uh, you know, uh, you are probably don't. You're probably lying. So honesty can be the one you write in. But the, the, uh, you can write it in if you want. But I would encourage you to pick one of these because they're they're built for the 21st century uh, church, so to speak. Uh, if you're already doing one of these, add another one. Pick a second one, all right? So here we go. We're going to start with quitting things, the diet. Here we go. Let's get some abs, shall we? Oh... All right, quit doing something keeping you from keeping God at the center. Now, uh, if you don't know what this is, I know God knows what it is, and you probably do too if you're honest with yourself. Uh, How do I know what that is? It's the thing that you go, oh, I'd love to do that, but I have this. And it's the thing that usually is the this most of the time. I would read my Bible in the morning, but... You know, I know the church is going, I really should do that. But whatever you're swapping in there instead of that piece, that's probably it. The dominant thing that keeps you from being able to follow Jesus all the time. Quit it. Just stop doing it. Number two, limit your screen time to an hour a day. Obviously, if you work on a computer during the day, it's not talking about that. But if you watch TV in the morning while you're getting your breakfast cereal and all that stuff going or whatever, A show. No. What I am saying is, on a on a daily basis, limiting your screen time will probably do more for your marriage than you think. Uh, you will probably be less frustrated and angry on a daily basis. You will probably your thought world will be cleaner. Uh, and so, limiting that could be a one way for us to go because that is our hiccup. That's where we uh, that's where we're smoking, so to speak. Uh, put together a God honoring budget. Why would that matter? Because you're having to choose what not to do and you'll look at your money and you'll go dude do we know we were spending $400 a month on wine clubs Do we know we were spending $1,200 a month on our kids extracurricular activities <clears throat> man I had no idea I was spending you know that amount of money on X or Y Well, we need to stop doing that and there you go the Damascus Road experience God makes his presence known and as Jesus says where your treasure is one, check your friends. What does that mean? True story. This week, a friend of mine had a very, very rough week. She tried to take her life. And when I asked her about just the experience, I asked her, I said, who's your best friend? things I ever did for my own spiritual walk was to make sure that the people who were closest to me, the ones I spent most of my time with, the people I went to for advice, were better people. And just start associating with a higher caliber of person that was committed to following Jesus the way I was. Now that doesn't mean that I I won't be around anybody else, have fun with others or whatever, but but as far as where I really invest myself uh, and who I let invest in me, I'm going to try to make sure that my friend grew company corrupts good morals, scriptures say. So sometimes losing a friend or two from, from the list of homies is one of the best things for you. This matters because it's in the word that we hear God's voice. Uh, We get to read of his mighty acts and it builds faith, faithfulness. Even as you're going through the Psalms, you realize, you know what? There are people that have followed Jesus very closely, followed the way of the Lord very, very closely, and have been in the same spot, their hearts crying out in in agony to God. Um, They're disillusioned. You, you You get to hear how God's people think. So you have the good old regular Bible reading thing. I would recommend five of seven days. Here's why. Uh, you can set seven, and by all means, if you can keep it, do it. Uh, but do most of the time, what ends up happening is if you say I'm gonna do it every day and you fail for a day or two, then you stop doing it because you feel like a failure and you feel like it's not doing whatever. Give yourself a couple of burn days. So when you get in there and it's like you have a bad day, or your kid keeps you up all night or whatever, and you just don't have anything. Need to give yourself a little grace, it's there. I'd recommend two to three chapters each time and read it devotionally. Audio listening to the Bible. Some people are much better. They're not book people, but they listen well. They're auditory. You know, find a, a version of the Bible on audio that's good. You can use the UVersion app. There's some great ones out there. There's one called The, uh, the Bible Experience that's uh, predominantly African American Hollywood actors. And they read it. It's incredible. It's dramatized, and it's, the voices are just. It's just crazy good. Uh, you've got James Earl Jones reading the King James. Come on, man. That's just sweet, you know? You've got all sorts of those things out there, and people have taken a, a crack at this, um, and I would encourage you to think about that. Starter, join a Bible study is obviously there. Journaling, using uh, what I call the SOAP method. Those of you who've been here a while, you know what that means. Uh, scripture, observation, application, prayer. So you take Hebrews 5 like we just did, write out the actual text by hand. observation is some people never grow up. An application might be, that's kind of the therefore, here's what I would like to do. Or here's what I can do. That would put this into practice. And then P is prayer. You just write a short prayer at the end. And by doing that as a journal practice, those of you who love to write, you get your journals and you live on like Etsy or whatever. You, you get all your little paper products all the time. This is your thing. This is a great practice. And then another one, and this is because reason itself, sorry, listen to or watch the sermon again. Here's why. Right now, people, uh, you're sitting in here, you notice what so-and-so is looking like across the way. You notice your kid is sleeping. You want to wake him up. Somebody's opening a door. Somebody's doing this and that and the other. And you get distracted and you miss pieces along the way. And so sometimes by giving it a little soak time and going back and hearing it again, uh, it actually something hits you that didn't hit you before. So take one. Take a look or write one in. 10 or 15 seconds. (sighs) Moving on to prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. This is one that, again, I confess he goes openly, I have to work hard at this to be really, really diligent at it. Um, And so these are some ones that are out of my own experience. Some of these are actually from the of Jesus himself. um, Regular prayer at a set time is good for me. So you can set alarms on things. That's one of the great things about tech, where we are. Uh, So you can set an alarm to just remind you to do it and it buzzes you at the same time every day, just reminding you to do it. So if you want to do that, let me encourage you, set that time. Pray outdoors. Some people, that's easier for you. Like I mentioned hiking. It's easy for me to pray when I'm out in creation. I'm looking out over the mountains. I'm looking out, fresh air. Um, That might work. Pray on your commutes. That will keep you from a multitude of sins on the road uh, and keep your heart aligned with God. But sometimes you've got a 20-minute or 30-minute commute. Spend that time praying. Think through your life in an orderly fashion. Pray for the people around you. When you see somebody in the car next to you and they're clearly angry at the world, instead of being angry back at them, pray for them. Uh, have a little list in your car that you, you pray through on a, on a weekly or daily basis. Use worship music. Just use it as your playlist, coming and going from where you go. That's another one I do a lot. Um, that'll help you. Pray the Psalms. If you don't have the words, and that's the part hanging you up, go to the Psalms and literally just make them your prayer. Read through them out loud or, or internally as you go. And then lastly, if you really can't do it or you're one of those extroverted people, find a prayer partner and pray for each other throughout the week. helps you hold people accountable and lets you know somebody else cares whether you live or somebody else, too, so you can find that person uh, uh, and keep going. Uh, You also have fasting. Now, this is the one that very few people ever want to do. It is making a comeback because of the fitness people, right? Um, The idea behind fasting is not to get fit. The idea behind fasting is that through withholding food from yourself, uh, it enhances your ability to be dependent on God. So, when I'm mourning some. Or sometimes I've done it alongside other brothers or sisters who've had an addiction of some kind. And fasting is used to discipline the flesh. It's a way of saying, I'm going to do without so that I can allow God to fill me. Um, If you decide to do that, it can be a very powerful way to do it. Skip a meal, spend that time uh, praying. It could be a day, it could be three days. Friendship. All of us need the friendship of other people in the same path. When you do everything by yourself, one of the things that you miss is you don't have anybody to serve other than yourself. Okay. Uh, and there are very few people that uh, even even the, the monks hang out in monasteries with other monks. Alright? So there are very few, there are a couple of people, hermits or whatever over time that have spent their entire life by themselves saying nothing. Okay. Uh, I could probably count on one. So most of the spiritual masters see this as a, as a very integral part of what's going on. Jesus lives among 12 disciples, and within that, he's got the inner three. All right, We provide these different opportunities, some of these for you. Join a growth group. Obviously, that's a, these are these geographically, generally, or affinity-based kind of groups where people just do life together and try to grow spiritually together in community. Okay, Joining a serve team, learning how to serve somebody else. No matter how you know, important, quote-unquote, you seem to find the task or not find the task. It could be something as, as big as serving on one of the teams that's working on the grand project kind of stuff. It could be passing out bulletins. It could be doing children's check-in or whatever, join us, certain team. Come early and stay after church. Now, I'm about to preach for a second, all right? Church is a group of people. It is not a time slot. So it's hard if you're in here and you come in right as church is starting and you leave as soon as it's over or even before, you haven't really been to church. That's like going to a movie or something, right? We're not here just to consume things. We're here to engage one another. We're here to serve each other. We're here to get to know the body. And half of the best stuff of church, I'm just telling you, I've been doing this since I was And 43 years later. The best stuff at church is 30 minutes before and 30 minutes after. Okay. Now, I'm not diminishing in any way, shape, or form what goes on in this room. This is where everybody and all that stuff that's going on kind of reaches this point, it narrows a focus. It's like a river being channeled, all right? And, and so there's spiritual energy here. We collectively praise God. But let me tell you something, some of the best stuff is when you're encountering somebody, you get to celebrate with somebody get to go up. It's me being able to, when your kids are running around and they look all confused, I can sit there and go, hi, you know, uh, I look at them and, and, and talk to them and bend down and stare at them and they get to know me and I get to know them. So they're not just numbers in the children's checkout system. I know your kids, you know, they know me. Uh, it's somebody's crying over in the corner and being able to go up and ask them if they're okay and see what's going on and be able to be a blessing to them. It's finding out what's going on in people's lives. It's laughing. It's watching people come in and laughing and telling jokes and other people coming in. You know, one sister was out there, and I go, I go, how you doing? She goes, Ooh. I said, I understand. <laughs> says a lot. That size says a lot, right? But if you're in and out, you know, you're doing the stealth mission, then uh, and I understand. And for introverts, that can be really, really tough. I implore you to try. Okay, because the more we know you and you know us, okay, I promise you you're going to find untold blessings out of that. Besides, you bother to get up and get dressed and drive your car all the way here. Why not get the full experience, right? Attend three out of four Sundays a month. Now that used to would have been four out of four. In the culture we live in, three out of four if you're a starter is a pretty good rate. Uh, Four out of four. Most people, even if they were able to pull off three out of four, they would be shocked at how many, how much that blessed them. Now, some of you are going, "Why well, do that?" Probably not. The average person goes to church about once a month in Southern California, and uh, you know, there are some of you that do better than that, but 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 a lot of us are two out of four. We think we're three out of four. Um, we think we're four out of four, but we're really three out of four. single week, you get the blessing of being able to look out and you can see how people are growing, what's going on in their lives. You get to experience the songs and sermons. You're there for the whole series. You got, oh, I see why they put that together that way. I actually know the whole book of Joshua rather than just the first part and nine weeks later It's a bookmark in your life. It doesn't matter if anything else is wobbly or falling apart. It's once a week, without fail, God gets the spotlight. And my experience has been that God really, really blesses that. Uh, Here's another one. Invite somebody into your house every couple of weeks. Once in a blue moon is not enough. I'm saying devote one night a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, whatever. Just every two weeks I'm going to have somebody over to the house and I'm just going to get to know them. Or I'm going to go out. and saying, welcome into my life when you do that. Um, nothing wrong with going out, but um, you know, at least take the energy to say, I'm going to, every couple of weeks, I'm going to try to get to know somebody new in church. Uh, or just rebuild fellowship with somebody else that's in there. So take a look. Pick one. If you're already doing one, pick another one. effective at helping you grow in Christ? The answer is the one you stick to. It's really not so much a matter of, you can, you can write New Year's resolutions, so to speak, all year long. The one you stick to is the most effective diet there is for you. Okay? And that's why it's trying to help you find the one. It's giving you a choice. Pick something that will help you grow fellowship in your life. Pick something that will help you develop in the Word of God in your life. Pick something find your hiking inside the realm of prayer find it inside the word find it inside living and growing with other people and then the bible says um, and if you want to get your bibles open again first corinthians chapter 9 24 to 27 it says train in such a way now we know we need to train now it says train in such a way that it actually does you good first corinthians 9 24 to 27 Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. We do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He's saying, look, even as a preacher, I've got to do this. I'm going to run in such a way that I actually want to win. You guys have seen games like that. You watch a team fight another team. I watched Serena Williams lose yesterday on on TV, U.S. Open. If you watch the body language, the other gal was better. Maybe not Serena in her prime, but Serena, Serena today. She just wanted you can just tell. Serena's <coughs> been there, done that so many times, it's just hard to get up for it again, I think. And when you want it more, you tend to win the prize if you're of equal ability. You've been to the gym and seen people that get on the pre-core or whatever. They're standing on the pre-core. It's not really moving, but they're on their phone. It's hard to talk on the phone if you're actually putting out real energy. You run out of air, you can't talk anymore. And so they just sit there on their phone, or they're over in the corner of the gym talking on their phone, but no workout happening at all. And they come in and they leave thinking, whoo, felt good to go to the gym today. (laughs) And they walk out of there. They were dressed for it, they showed up, but they didn't do the training, right? That's what he's saying. Don't just train. They don't go out and buy a set of gym clothes. Don't be the person that, the second that you start to break a sweat, you stop because you don't like sweating. That doesn't do you any good. If you really, really, really want to grow in Christ, sisters and brothers, there are people here who can show you the way. And what the Bible is saying is, look, you you can do this by training yourself to distinguish between right and wrong, so you can look at that and go, that's right, that's wrong. I'm going to do right. And doing it in such a way that you actually are running the race to win the prize. If I'm going to bother with the whole Christianity thing, then I'm going to run that race as though to win the prize. And what you find is the harder you run, the more intentionally you train yourself, the more fun it is. Because you know what's fun? Getting into that new pair of pants, right? You haven't worn that size of pants since you. And putting those suckers on and going, yeah, 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 yeah. Fat boy clothes are going back in the closet now. Let's get can I, I can put my old varsity letterman jacket back on again. Right? That feels good. And in the spiritual realm, it may not be that clear all the time what's going on, but you're gonna notice. Because the same thing that your kid did that sent you flying off the complete handle and had sent you into full blown meltdown now, you handle completely differently than you did six months before. The church that you ambivalently just kind of floated around and liked a few things on social media here and there, but never showed up, never gave, never served, never did any of that. Now, you find yourself going, I am a part of this, I'm engaged in this, and we're doing something important in the kingdom of God together. See, that's fun. That's fun. What's fun is watching God change people's lives. And that's strength. Of do those things comes from God Himself. It's really not just a willpower thing. Let me show you something that's fun. I think we got a slide of this. This came up. Uh, did, we, did we have the slide? Uh, there we go. This was yesterday. About uh, Yeah, good. <clears throat> about <maybe. clears throat> so that amazing family right. okay, We baptized them into Christ yesterday evening. And I was proud of them. They weren't that big on getting in the water, frankly. They thought they'd be lost at sea. You can see the surf was up yesterday. Warm water, at least. When we did the baptism Sunday in May, I got froze to death. It was absolutely frigid in there. and wind was blowing. It was like 59-degree water. This is 79-degree water, 78-degree water. Um, do the people on the right look miserable to you? There was no miserable. flying everywhere, wave. <laughs> waves, we barely got them under because the water just sucked down right as we were putting them down, uh, so we kind of had to put them on the sand to get them under, but, uh, but we had a good time, you know, we had a good time, and I guess what I'm saying, I wish I'd done it sooner, like happens when I when I lead a lot of people in there, say 60s or 70s to the Lord for the first time, they're like, I can't believe I wasted the first 60 years of my life, and of course they did it all the way, but you get what they're saying, right? So I'm here today to implore you to train yourself, to allow God to train you, to jump in here and, and train for righteousness, and as you train to commit yourself to saying, i this race as though to win the prize I'm not in this just to show up I'm not in it for a participation trophy I'm in this thing to win and I'm going to commit myself to this and I'm going to commit myself to the body of Christ and allow them to commit themselves to me and my family okay and if you do okay according to the scriptures you will be blessed for doing so we make it our aim And the elements, go ahead and take their spots. As we do, uh, we remember our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who, while he was on this earth, ran in such a way as to get the prize, and he did. The Bible talks about him as learning obedience through what he suffered and running in such a way that God exalted him. Gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. That's the kind of race that we're running. We follow him into that, into, into that realm. We say, Lord, we're following you. And so, as Paul says in Philippians 2, let the same mind be in you that we